Hallelujah. 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 Glory to the name of Jesus. Glory to the name of Jesus. Yes. Thank you for changing me, Lord. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let us now turn our attention to the book of Nehemiah, chapter number one, verses one and two. God, thank you for changing us. Nehemiah chapter one, beginning at verse number one and two, or reading verses one and two. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, it came to pass in the month of Chislev, in the 20th year, as I was in Shushan, the citadel, that Hanani, one of my brethren, came with men from Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. Amen. And I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. I'm led to talk today from the thought, embracing the work of the kingdom, where is your concern? Where is your concern? Let us pray. Father, thank you now for your word. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you, Lord, that when your word goes forth, it does not return to you void. It accomplishes all that you desire. Thank you, Lord, that you prosper your word in the things that you sent your word to. Thank you for sending your word to us today. Thank you for what your word is going to accomplish in our lives. Thank you, Father, for a fresh anointing of your spirit that I may minister your word under your anointing and that we will receive your word under your anointing. God, we yield to you now. It's in Jesus' name. We pray and we thank you. Amen. Embracing the work of the kingdom. Where is your concern? Ask your neighbor. Neighbor, where is your concern? Amen. God has called each one of us into his work. Amen? Amen. We got that? Amen. Tell your neighbor. Neighbor, Amen. God has called you into his work. Amen. Amen. Being saved and a part of the body of Christ has never been only about self and going to heaven. All right? It has always been about God calling us to him saving us, reconciling us to him so that we can engage in the work of advancing his kingdom in the earth realm by drawing other people in. So it's never just about us. We're not saved just to be saved and just go to, to go to heaven. Amen. Salvation is a major part of our being engaged in the work of the kingdom. However, salvation is not the end of it. Have you... And, and, and I heard in the song uh, a few minutes ago, part of Psalm 51, but how many of you have read Psalm 51? Oh, you don't know which one it is. 
Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in your, in your sight. But when you, when you read David's prayer of confession and asking God to forgive him, and you go on down to verse number 13, okay? And I want to turn there right quick. I thought I wrote it down, but I didn't write it down. So I'm going to read verse number 13 through 15 of Psalm 51, because it does not just deal with God forgiving uh, David or when we recited God forgiving us and cleansing us, but when you read verses 13, it says, then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, the God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. Amen? So then David is even acknowledging that asking God to forgive him and restore him is not just for him to be forgiven and restored, but the end result of that is that David will be engaged in the work of the kingdom of God, which is teaching transgressors the ways of God. And so the sinners can be converted to God. Being a Christian is not just about you being a Christian. Amen. We have to understand that God has called us to his work. So it's not good enough for me to get my life right. I have to get my life right so that I can engage in the work of reaching the tra- other transgressors and other people that don't know Jesus and drawing them to him. Amen. Amen. So we then, Paul says it like this, we're workers together with God. We work with God. We are engaged in God's work. Amen? Amen. He reconciles us to him so we can be involved in the work of reconciliation. Amen. So Jesus came into this world for this purpose. And he's made us, he has reconciled us to him so that we can engage with him. God was at work in Christ Jesus, the Bible says, reconciling the world unto himself. As Jesus is getting closer to his crucifixion, six days before the Passover, um, the Bible says, uh, and, 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 and his soul began, became troubled. This is what Jesus said. He said, now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose came I to this hour. Amen. Jesus knew what he came for. So he could not escape the responsibility that was on him for his purpose for coming into the world. Amen. Paul said, and we reread it earlier, Jesus thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. But he starts that by saying, let this mind, recite it, let this mind which was also in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. And so the scriptures teach us that that we're not saved just so we can be saved and go to heaven, just so we can live a good life. You are not a Christian just so you can live a good life. And you cannot buy into the world's philosophy. Everybody needs to live his or her own life, and I don't have a right to say anything to them about the way that they live. 
Well, not only do you have the right, but as a Christian, you've been commanded. Now, it's uncomfortable, yes, and in today's world, people don't want you invading what they call their space. But we know that as we are led by the Spirit of Almighty God, the Lord has already opened the way for us to go into that space. He's already opened the door for us to enter in and begin to talk about it. Too many of us are keeping silent. Too many of us are bought into, and we are, we are, we are, we hear things. Uh, this is a good example, and I know our sister won't be offended by me using it. So anyway, so we hear things, but we take it to a different degree. So I said, I was talking this morning about recording, and I did say, you can stand to the side of your recording, but she said, Pastor, you just told us off about recording. So I was scared to record. <laughs> I didn't say you couldn't record. Amen. We hear what, what the world is saying about us invading their space, and we forget what God said. Because it's not really their space. Who created the world? Who owns the space? Who owns everybody that's been created? God does. So it's God's space, and we're not invading people's space. We're just doing what God told us to do. But how many of us are willing to are really willing to buy into what God told us to do. I keep remembering on, on the news, uh, last week it was, they were talking about these two men preaching on the street, I think in Lincolnton or somewhere, you know, and people were offended by what they were saying because they were being very direct in their preaching. And they were calling sin, sin. Amen. You know, and, and people were being just really offended by what they were saying on the street. But where do we need to be preaching at other than the church on the street? And if, if preaching the gospel offends you, then there's something wrong inside of you. Amen. God's word does not change. God's word has not changed. God's word will not change. And if you are offended by the gospel, it's not the gospel, it's you. Amen. 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 But we've got to, we've got to see our responsibility. And along with seeing our responsibility, we have to be burdened by it. The burden that Jesus had for lost people, which included you and me at one time, is the same burden that you and I should have for the loss of this generation. And if we have it for the loss of this generation, our children will see the burden that's in our lives and they will have it in their generation. Yeah. The nature of our faith demands that we are concerned about the loss. I'll say that again. The very nature of our faith demands not suggest. This is not a suggestion. It demands that we are concerned about the loss. Amen? Those that are separated from Christ. Amen? Those that are lost in that sense. We are not truthful in saying that we are Christians. And that we love the Lord if we don't have a burden for lost souls. Amen. We're not truthful. If we are saved, get this, his spirit lives in us. 
He lives in us to produce the life of Christ in us so that we become like Christ. Amen. And love the things that Christ loves. And is concerned about the things that Christ is concerned about. So we're not truthful if we're saying that we're Christians and we love the Lord and we're not concerned about lost souls. Amen, Amen. Amen Walls. As I, as I was meditating over my message this morning, this thought came to me. You know, I want, what would it be like if we gave the Holy Spirit our undivided attention, and especially immediately after salvation, and allow him to whisper into our ears, and allow him to minister to us in the midnight hours, and allow him to have our time throughout the day when we're not focused in on work or, you know, family matters. Allow the Holy Spirit just to, just to minister us to us and, and lead us to new discoveries. I want you to get a picture here. I don't know how graphic I can be this morning, but I want you to get a picture here and allow him to lead us to new discoveries as we give ourselves to fasting and praying and searching the scriptures and learning more and more about him right from the beginning before the devil starts trying to do the same thing. Because what the devil will do is he will sneak in and he'll start whispering in our ears and he'll start showing us stuff and then we will start tasting the Bible says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good, but we'll start tasting of the worldly things and tasting of fleshly things, you know. And we start feeding that, that carnal appetite and, 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 and we start wanting more and more of that than we want of God. But, you know, if, if we think about it right from the beginning, if we started fasting and praying and seeking God, rather than just joining the church and getting baptized and, you know, and nobody ever teaches us that we really need to seek God first. Because a whole lot of us got it backwards. We joined the church and joined the choir and joined us, but we started working and nobody ever taught us that we need to love the Lord. And in fact, I talked about this whispering in the ear, in the ear uh, because you know how it is when you fall in love and people start, they start saying these sweet nothings that they call them in your ear. And it's nothing, really. Just, and, and then you get all enamored, you know, by, by those sweet nothings. And it's okay if you're married. Just, just know that, that, that you can't love your spouse more than you love God. Amen. Amen. I, I still disagree with telling my spouse, I love you with all my heart. I disagree with it. I don't know how many people agree with me. If you get the image, how can you love God with all your heart and love somebody else with all your heart at the same time? You only got one heart. Now, which one's going to get all? God first, spouse second, children third. Amen. 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 Children, y'all got to come in third. Amen. 
You know, people say stuff that they don't mean. They're just trying to get your attention, you know, and make you feel like you're the best thing that ever happened to them. You're on top of the world. They're just fooling you. Some of them. Some, you might be the best thing that happened to some people. But Jesus should be the best thing that happened to all of us. But if we started loving God first and allowing his spirit to begin to minister to us and pour into us and mold us and shape us from the very, very beginning of our walk with him, oh, when we repeat, repent and rededicate our lives to him and really give ourselves to the Lord so that he can, he can form Christ in us and form his desires and, and form his, his, his will and his way in us before we're tainted by the evil one. Does anybody get the picture? I thought about that this morning. How that would be. Because when we look at the body of Christ, we don't really see this concern for lost souls. The Bible says in Romans 5 and 5, the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. The, the love of God has been poured out in us. It is there so that what God loves, the way God loves, the way God deals with people, we are to deal with them the same way. You say, Pastor, that's tough because we're humans. But go back to the, to the if only we allow God to catch us at the beginning and to pour out his love in our heart lavishly from the beginning and to mold and shape us lavishly before the devil has an opportunity to enter in and start bringing up, oh, you're human. Oh, you're in the flesh. Oh, you don't have to take this. Oh, if I was the way I used to be. How many of us ever heard that? Probably said it once or twice in your life. Thank God I'm not the way I used to be. I don't want to be the way I used to be. Amen. You push me up against the wall, I want you to slap me on one cheek so I can turn the other and let you slap me on the other and then let God deal with you. Because vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I can't fight like God can fight. No, I don't. I, I just want to leave it in the hands of God so that I can love you like God loves you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Saints, this is critical to our faith. It's critical to the faith life of every believer. If our faith is to be vibrant, if our faith is to be strong, then we have to engage the work of the kingdom like Christ did. Okay? We become weak, we become ineffective if we do nothing in the kingdom except come to worship on Sunday. I need to say that again. If all you're doing is coming to worship on Sunday, you are weak and you are ineffective. And your worship is half-hearted. 
And eventually, that worship becomes meaningless. Think about all the people that get disinterested in church. It's not always that there's nothing good going on. It's because their hearts are not in the work. Amen. You see, I'm excited about Jesus whether I come to Tabernacle of Praise or not. Amen. I'm excited about his work. I love seeing people come to Jesus. Amen. I, 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 I love talking to people and praying with people and encouraging them. And, and, and yes, part of this stemmed from my growth in the Lord, but I had to give myself to grow. And some people don't give themselves to grow. So you come and all you do is worship and you never engage in the work. And so then your Christian life becomes eventually becomes empty. And then you start looking for other things to fill the void. And you will find them. You will find other things to fill the void. The devil will make sure that you find other things to fill that empty place. Doesn't have to be you going out drinking and, and, and running women or running men. You can just work on Sunday. When you could be off. How many of you really know that the United States has a law that your job can't interfere with your worship? That's a law. You know? And how many parents allow their young children when they get 16 to get a job to work on Sunday when you don't have to do that? First of all, your children are not working to pay your bills. They're working to get the experience of work. So why, are you, why do you allow your children when they are teenagers to get a job? I don't care what job it is. And you allow that job to schedule them on Sunday morning when that is your worship time. I ain't figured that one out yet. Oh, I figured it out, but I better not say it this morning because somebody... Anyway, the, mess, the, Lord, the Lord will speak to your heart. Amen. Our faith life, our faith life becomes meaningless because we don't engage in the work. But you say, Pastor, I'm on the choir. I'm an us, baby. All that's in the house. All of that's in the building. Everybody in here today has confessed Jesus. A Savior and Lord. They may be going, people may be at different levels and going through different things, you know. Some of that's your own fault. Amen. I tell you what, if you're a member of Tabernacle of Praise and you don't know the word of God, by now it's your own fault. Amen. I do not bite my tongue by saying it, but I will be careful how I because I was about to say, with your laser. Anyhow, but part of the process is that your worship, you know, your faith life, your faith life, because you do not engage in the work, your faith life is meaningless and ineffective. It takes more than worship on Sunday morning for your faith life to be strong. Amen. 
You can go to the gym every day and you can walk by and look at those weights and you can even rub them. And you can go and get some, get some, get some uh, uh, sanitizing materials, uh, 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 liquid and, and clean them off. But if you don't ever put your hands to the weights and start lifting and start pushing, nothing is going to happen. Nothing. Nothing. You have to engage in the work of the kingdom. And the work of the kingdom is winning souls and making disciples. That's the work of the kingdom. Listen, by now, just about, I'll say 90% of you sitting in here today, by now, should be making other disciples. By now, I should be able to assign at least, at least 50 different assignments in communities and homes to establish cell group ministries. At least 50. By now. Somebody say by now. By now. Can you say, Pastor, you didn't teach us? Can you say, Pastor, you didn't take us into the word? By now, we, if, you, if your faith is going to be strong, and, and many of you can attest to this, if your faith life is going to be meaningful, you've got to engage in the work of the kingdom, which is winning souls and making disciples. I didn't say singing in the choir. I didn't say serving on the usher board. I didn't say serving in hospitality. I didn't even say working in the sound booth. All of that facilitates our worship. But the work of the kingdom is winning souls and making disciples. You can win souls without a keyboard. You can win souls without a sound system. You can win souls without a choir. Are you listening to me? So in our text for today, we see something that's very critical, okay? And it's, it's so clear that sometimes we just gloss over it that relates to our message today. And I don't know if I'm actually following everything that I wrote, but the Lord is in control. You know, sometimes we're preparing sermons and we want everything to be in order. We want to make sure that, you know, but... We have to lead, follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. So I saw something as I was reading. First of all, as I was meditating on the text, and I went back and I read it to see if what I was meditating on was really in the text. And it was really there. Listen. Now it happened in the month of Chislev, in the 20th year, as I saw Susa the capital, as I was in Susa the capital, that Hanani, one of my brethren, came with certain men out of Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews that survived, who had escaped exile, and concerning Jerusalem. Pastor, what you see? I saw that Nehemiah asked. They didn't just come and bring him a report. They didn't just come and tell him of the situation 
with the Jews that were left in Judah, in Jerusalem, and about the city walls broken down. They didn't come and just provide him that information. Nehemiah asked. Why is that so important? The commentaries on this says, from the beginning, it's evident that Nehemiah's interest was not only himself or his immediate family. His vision included God's people, even though some of them were far away. Then he says, Christian leaders, and I'll take leaders out of that, Christians must also have a global concern for God's work. Now, this is what the Holy Spirit said to me, first of all. If we are to properly engage in the work of the kingdom, our concern has to be more than ourselves. If we are to properly engage the work, which is winning souls and making disciples, our concern has to be more than about us. You have to be concerned about more people than you, yours, mine, and mine. We grew up in the old church and deacons would pray, people would pray, Lord, bless my family, bless my home, bless my children, bless this, bless this. All about me. It's never all about me. Okay? To engage the work of the kingdom in our sphere of influence, we have to be concerned about the lost. We got to be concerned about the unchurched. We have to be concerned about the backslidden. We have to be concerned about the marginalized. We have to be concerned about the vulnerable. We have to be concerned about the elderly. We have to be concerned about the sick. We have to be concerned about those on the fringes of society and everybody else that Jesus was concerned about. Are you listening today? If you take a look at the life and the ministry of Christ, you'll find that his ministry was to the sick and to the afflicted, to the outcast, to the downtrodden. He said the well, those who are healthy, they don't need a doctor. It's the sick who need the doctor. Matthew, Mark, and Luke record those sayings of the Lord. Then in Matthew 15 and 24, the Bible says that Jesus' ministry was to the lost sheep of Israel. Yeah, Jesus ministered to everybody. Rest assured of that. But, but many people, though, especially the scribes and the Pharisees and the people of the ruling class in the upper crust of society, they, they did not need, they felt they didn't need a Savior, or at least he was not the Savior that they were looking for. Some people, like Nicodemus, came to Jesus under the cover of darkness because they didn't want to be seen, but at least they came. You know? <laughs> then, 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 then later on, they openly followed the Lord, like Joseph of Arimathea, you know, who gave his tomb for Christ to be buried, you know, noble people of the noble class. But the vast majority of the followers of Jesus in the very beginning, amen, were the poor, the dispossessed, the outcasts, those who did not fit into, quote-unquote, the, the religious order of the day. And Jesus didn't have a problem going to the cemetery. He did not have a problem dealing with people who were demon-possessed. Jesus did not have a problem going by well in Samaria to deal with a woman who had a bad reputation. 
So when I first started to, maybe I shouldn't say this on Facebook Live. I just keep, Lord help me. So anyway, I was doing something, all right? And so when I started, some of my relatives said, Alfred doesn't know the reputation of this person, so he shouldn't be doing it with or at her house. And I'm like, all of us got a reputation. <laughs> and some of the folk that were saying it, thank you. So, so as long as I did what I went to do, amen, then, then, then a person's reputation didn't matter. You see, you see, some of us forget Jesus and forget that we're supposed to be following Christ. And so we get caught up in what the world says and it stops us from doing what God called us to do. So Jesus would minister to anybody. So he didn't have a problem dealing with that woman at the well of Samaria. Because she'd had five husbands and the one she had then wasn't hers. Jesus was not looking to becoming one of them. Now maybe if you got the wrong motive, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. If we're to engage in the work of the kingdom, saints, we have to be concerned about more than our own selves, more than our own comfort. We have to be concerned about more people than those who are in our social circles. We got to be. We have to be even concerned more, about more than our own safety. You will never go anywhere and do anything if you're scared of somebody killing you. Amen. You'll stay at home and in your house and if you're not careful, they will come and break your door down in your house and still rob you. You got to be concerned about more. Am I making any sense today? Be concerned about more. We have to be concerned about more than having more things. We have to be concerned about more than, than, than enjoying more free time. We got to be concerned about more than engaging in more fun activities. Got to be concerned about the lost, the suffering, the dispossessed, the disenfranchised. We got to be concerned. We got to show those concerns at home and abroad. Nehemiah sets a great example for believers in every generation. Nehemiah was in a good position in life. I think I talked about this last week. Yeah. In a way, Nehemiah has risen above his peers in that Nehemiah is in the king's palace. Nehemiah is the cupbearer. Okay. He was in exile, but he has risen above his peers. I almost wanted to preach about rising above your peers. It's a good message to talk about, some good things in here. But when we look at Nehemiah, we see that by God's mighty power, Nehemiah had been raised up from being just one among many exiles to being the cup, the, the king's cupbearer. 
And just so you know, for those of you who may not have followed the scripture, this is not Judah. This is the Persian Empire. Shushan. Okay? Different. Foreign nation. Foreign king. And Nehemiah has been chosen to be the king's cupbearer. Wow. So Nehemiah is doing well in a foreign nation. However, it was not good enough for Nehemiah to be doing good. Nehemiah had a God that he loved. Nehemiah had a nation that he loved. Nehemiah had a faith that he loved. And Nehemiah had a people that he loved and people that he cared about that he cared about. And so when his brother came and other men came from Judah before they had an opportunity to give him the report, the Bible says, Nehemiah asked. Asked. About the people and about the city. They didn't just tell him. He asked. Saints of God, so we're talking about re-engaging in ministry. We're talking about building up the body of Christ, which in essence in, involves us in building the kingdom of God. It's not enough just to sing in the choir. Listen, it's not enough just to serve in hospitality. It's not enough just to serve as an usher. It's not enough to serve in the house in any capacity. If you're truly going to be engaged in the work of the kingdom, you've got to love, you got to have a love for God. Oh, Lord, have mercy. That, that, that covers a whole gamut of stuff. When I, when I love God, I'm going to love you. Amen. But we got to have a love for God. And, 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 and you, you have to have a love for, 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 for God's church. This church in particular, you got to love this fellowship of believers. I'll say to you today that whatever's happened in the past, you got to let it go. You got to shake it off. You know, you can't let the devil keep bringing up stuff from the past. None of you ever go forward by looking back. If you don't believe me, get in your car today and put it in reverse and see how, much, how far you're going to go going forward. I don't care if you intend to back up. Start backing up and see how straight you're going to go. Amen. Amen. You gotta, you, if we're going to re-engage, if we're going to work together, if we're going to build the ministry, if we're going to advance the kingdom, we must love God first, love God's church, and love God's people. Not just loving us in the church. When I say love God's people, we got to love the people that, that's in the community. People you don't know, people you don't see. You got to love them. You got to love them. You got to, Pastor, how can I love people I don't know, don't see? The love of God has been poured out in your hearts by the Holy Spirit. I mean, it gives you a love for people. I mean, you just want people to be blessed. You know, you know it's like you're riding down the highway and you see an accident. You just don't keep on going. You start praying. You don't know the people. You don't know. You just start praying, you know, because you know it's a desperate situation. Sometimes you can see people who are suffering and look like they don't have too much, and you just want to do something to bless them. But if you can't do anything to bless them, you just start praying for them. 
Sometimes we look at our young people and we see what they're doing and we see the error of their way and we see where they're headed and we know they won't listen, but we pray. Pray. How many of you know that prayer works? How many of you know that the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man works? That's how we love people we don't know. When God brings us in contact with them, we don't have to generate love. It's already there. You can travel 10,000 miles and meet somebody in need. The love of God is already working in your heart. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so if we're going to do this, we, we, we got to start back loving people. And we got we to gotta have a concern, amen, that the Holy Spirit puts in us. And, and, and you can't wait. You got to be like Nehemiah. You can't wait to get your report. You got to start asking. You got to come and say, Pastor, what do I need to do? First of all, you ask, ought to ask the Lord, God, how, has you, how have you gifted me? God, how can I fit in? God, how can I plug in? God, how can I use my talents and my abilities, amen, to engage the work of the kingdom? Amen. Then come and say, Pastor, how can I fit in? Elder Stowe, I, how can I, can, I call Pastor, I couldn't get him. Where can I work? Amen. Elder Hoskins, where, what can I do? Brother Kenton, what can I do? Minister Smiles, what can I do? What? Because I want to engage in the work of the kingdom. And if I get involved in the body, maybe I can learn how to reach outside. I ain't going to come and sit down anymore. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Help us today. Secondly, I mentioned that we have to be concerned about people at home and abroad. Notice now, Nehemiah was a long way from home. Well, maybe the Bible doesn't tell you that, but you have to go do some research. Uh, some have said 900 miles. Some people say 1,250 miles from Judah to Shushan. 1,250 miles. Judah is away from his homeland, living in Shushan. But his concern is not just for the Jews living in Shushan. As a matter of fact, doesn't really talk about them. Doesn't really talk about his family. But his concern is not just for him and his family in their homeland. I mean, in, in where they're living now. Somebody said, where I'm living now. You're living somewhere. What's your address? What's your address? I just want to make sure you're engaged with me. We're on the same page? Amen. Amen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, he's, he's over 1,200 miles away from these people that he starts asking about. I mean, he could have been like, okay, I'm here. I got it going well. I'm, I'm the king's cupbearer. And as long as I keep myself right, he won't have my head. But I get a chance to drink what he's drinking and eat what he's eating. And I might even have some leftovers to take home to my family. So we all eat good. But when people come from Judah, he's concerned about these people that are 1,250 miles away. 
Now, this is not in the message, but you think about him going there. There were no airplanes. There was no train system. They didn't have any cars. Y'all still in the house. Don't let your mind wander this morning. Part of your problem is you let your mind wander. Bring it back in. I understand. Sometimes my mind starts wondering. I say, bring it back in. Uh-uh, you can't go there. Mm-mm. You got control of your mind. Amen. So when I read this and understood the distance, the Lord began to reiterate in my mind and in my spirit how important it is for us, his people, to reach beyond our borders. Okay? Even our state borders and even our national borders. If we will truly embrace the work of the kingdom, we have to have a global vision. Right? You say, well, Pastor, we already have a global Listen, let me preach this sermon before you start racing your mind. Pay attention. Amen? Our vision can simply be for those around here who are lost and dispossessed or suffering. Jesus said, the poor you have with you always. And in Mark 14 and 7, he says, and whenever you wish, you can do good to them. But there are those who are thousands of miles away. They need our help. They need our care. They need our sacrifice. I know we do a lot in missions. Some of y'all don't ever give a mission offering. Raise your hand. Tell the truth and shame the devil. When the last time you gave? Nope, don't raise your hand. (laughs) Some people here never give to missions. And then, you know, I don't hear this often, but it kind of rubs me the wrong way when I hear people say that, you know, what we're giving to missions, we could be using at home. Or we shouldn't be giving too much to missions. Now, I don't hear that much now, but I used to hear that a lot, you know. And it's not just here. You know, sometimes I wonder about pastors and churches that don't have a heart for those that are beyond our borders. Don't allow the devil Glory to God, to feed you, to fool you into thinking that we've done enough when we witness to the lost in our neighborhoods, when we witness to the lost in our community. Don't allow the devil to tell you that we've done enough when we've given a little bit of money to missions. We don't need to give anymore. Don't allow the devil to fool you and tell you that we're not supposed to feed the hungry. Don't allow the devil to fool you and tell you that we're not supposed to, supposed to clothe the naked. You know, sometimes, you know, we, we, we've done this food giveaway at Thanksgiving. Do you realize that some of those people have hit every food giveaway in your county? And some people have food they can't keep in their own freezers. And in their own cupboards. And some of them could work, but won't work on a pie train. (laughs) 
I'm gonna make up for that 30 minutes y'all lost. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, bless the name of Jesus. So, so we've not done enough. Tell your name, we've not, not done enough. We can never do enough. Amen. We've got to understand that we can never do I hear in my spirit the Lord saying all authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. Here in my spirit, man, the Lord said, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and into the uttermost parts of the world. Saints, our concern can never be local. It can never be simply local. Our concern has to be global, which includes local. Amen? And our prayers, our attention, our time, our resources have to support our concern. So if we're, gonna, if we're concerned, we're going to give. If we're concerned, we're going to go more. Amen? If we're concerned, you know, every time I look at the church in Dominican Republic, I'm saying, this year we're going to put a roof on that building. This year we're going to finish that building. I'm not talking about what other churches are going to do. 2019, Tabernacle of Praise will finish that building in Dominican Republic. Amen? Amen. All we need is about $17,000. This year we're going to do it. Don't have anybody to say amen. And when I go, I'm going to take a team with me to work on the building. Are you hearing me? Amen. Mom, all of the resources we need, God has. But God wants some people who are concerned enough to get up and go. Concerned enough to make sure that you always bring the tithe and the offerings into the storehouse. Concerned enough you're always praying that your heart is always in tune with the Lord's will and the Lord's way. The last thing, the last thing the Lord showed me in Nehemiah. He not only showed me that Nehemiah had concern for the work of the kingdom because he asked and that he had a concern for the work of the kingdom because the kingdom was larger than where he was right there but he had a concern for people that were thousands of miles, at least 1,200 miles away from him. But the Lord, the Lord also showed me this. When Nehemiah got the news, Nehemiah was broken over the news that he heard. Verse 4 said, So it was when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Sometimes I wonder if we're ever broken, heartbroken, wounded in our spirits when we hear the conditions of destitute people. I hope I'm talking loud enough. I realize I lowered my voice. You don't know. Sometimes, sometimes I wonder if we're ever broken when we hear news about destitute people. I wonder if our spirits are ever wounded when we hear people are suffering with little or no food to eat. People who don't have a decent place to live. 
are we broken when we hear about people living in mud huts, mud houses, sleeping on dirt floors with just a mat to sleep on? Are we ever broken when we hear about people drinking water from the same streams and rivers that their cattle and their livestock are drinking from? Are we ever broken? when we hear about people who are dying from common diseases that we have cures for? Are we ever broken when we hear about the lost? Are we ever broken when we hear about the drug addicts? When we hear about the sexual demons? Are we ever broken? Are we ever broken when we hear about sex trafficking? Do we ever cry? Do we ever weep? I don't see too many people weeping today. God, give us this passion. Give us this passion, God, for those that are lost. Give us this passion for the poor and the dispossessed. While we sleep in our comfortable houses, while we ride in our comfortable cars, while our cupboards are filled to overflowing. Do we ever, do we ever, when we buy a new gadget, when we're upgrading our phone that's working real good, but just because we can, would we take that same money and sow it into missions? Would we do it? Would we give up a hair appointment to sow into missions? Would we give up a vacation to go and minister into a foreign country or go across the street? We're not broken. We see it and we don't see it. That's just the way it is. Somebody else will take care of it. Somebody else will take care of it. The scripture says, Nehemiah said, when I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. Sat down and I wept and I mourned for days. How many of us have wept? How many of us have wept over the situations that we see in the world around us? Jesus and Luke 19, we're looking over the city of Jerusalem. The Bible says he wept over the city. Not the physical city, but he was weeping over the people in their spiritual condition. The word of God makes a promise to us. So I pray many times, Lord, give us a passion. Give us that passion that you have for lost souls. The word of God makes a promise to us in Psalm 126 and 6. 
He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. The promise is that if I have this burden, that if I have this concern, that I'm broken, my heart is broken to the point that it makes me weep over the lost. If I go with the seed of the word of God, I'm going to reap a harvest. I'm going to return rejoicing, bringing those souls to the kingdom. You know, as, as we come to people's funerals and we want to say something good about people, one of the greatest things you ought to be able to say about a Christian is they led so many people to Christ. How many of y'all heard the song, May the Work I've Done Speak for Me? People like that old song. I said, Lord, let my faith produce some work. So may the faith I have speak for me. Because my faith will be shown in my works. So my work that I'm doing is not just in the church. It's not just in the house. Not just so I can be a great and effective preacher and have a great name and have crowds of people come. It will be wonderful that every Sunday this church was filled to overflowing and then we have to build a new sanctuary and after a while build another sanctuary. But God didn't call me to build sanctuaries. Are you listening? God didn't call any of us to build sanctuaries. He didn't call us to build institutions. He called us to save souls and make disciples. So we're going to engage the work of the kingdom. I want our focus to be right in 2019. Yes, I want to see a great choir. Yes, I want to see everybody engaged. But our focus has to be winning souls and making disciples. That's why I want you engaged. I guarantee you that if our focus is right, God will work everything else out. God will supply our every need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So we're to engage the work of the kingdom. You got to have the right concern. Test the question. Where is your concern? Where was your concern?